Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, we have a special little series for you today on this Friday of September. You are not used to hearing the happy hour on Fridays because our shows come out on Wednesdays. But one thing I wanted to do this fall was think of some series that we could have. And so we have a series in September uh, launching today. Actually, two episodes are going to launch today, this episode and then another episode that you can listen to both today or whenever you want around world religions. And actually what sparked this idea for me was a book that came across my office and it's called World Religions in Seven Sentences, a small introduction to a vast topic. It was by an author that I'd never heard. His name is Douglas Greethis and he's a philosophy professor actually at Denver Seminary where I just started school. So that's exciting. But I just knew nothing about this, but I thought, well, this sounds interesting. And it's it's tagged as a brief volume in a, it's kind of an academic book, that's for sure. But it uses a single sentence to represent each of several world religions as a way to open readers to their depth and complexity. He goes through atheism and he actually starts with atheism and he explains today in the interview why he did that. Atheism, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Daoism, Christianity, and Islam. I asked Doug to kind of come on and talk to us. Why is it important for us as believers to know about other religions? And he gives us a very encouraging conversation about that. So here is my conversation with Doug about other world religions. Doug, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm happy to have you. I'd love it if you'd introduce yourself to my listeners. Yes, my name is Doug Groteis. I teach philosophy at Denver Seminary. I've been here now for 30 years, starting my 31st year. And I teach classes in uh, religious pluralism, apologetics, ethics, things like that. And I've written 19 books so far. 19 books, Doug. Oh my gosh, that is that, like you're like putting out a book a year over here, aren't you? Not really, but uh, it depends. In the last year, I've had four books come out, but uh, my first book okay. came out in 1986, which was about the New Age movement. So whatever it comes out to, maybe one every other year since I started, something like that. 
I love it. Well, I was telling you before we started recording, I just started at Denver Seminary, so I don't know if our paths will ever cross, but it is just feels fun. The first week of class for me to have um, a professor from this new school I'm at on the show. Yeah, so welcome. we're doing a series on world religions and we're starting out with you and next week, uh, and the next show, we also have my friend Preston Perry talking about apologetics. And I wanted to have this conversation really it stemmed from when I saw your book come across my desk. And um, so I'd love it if you'd give us just a little overview of the book that uh, is that you're just releasing right now about different religions. Mm-hmm. Right. The book is called World Religion in Seven Sentences. And the idea is that I take a representative sentence from six of the major world religions and one from atheism and use that as a kind of a launching pad to investigate the truth claims of the religion. So I start actually with atheism and the statement very well known from the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, God is dead. So I look at his atheistic philosophy and challenge it. Uh, So the idea is if there is no God and there's no sacred reality at all, then all the religions are false. So I wanted to start with a challenge to religion per se with Nietzsche and look at his critique Mm. of uh, the idea of the supernatural or the sacred and then go into um, six major world religions. So this little technique, you could call it of seven sentences, is something for better or worse that I made up for a book in 2016 called Philosophy in Seven Sentences. It's not an attempt to reduce a philosophy or a religion to just one sentence. It's not uh, religion for dummies, I hope, or philosophy for dummies. It's, It's just taking one central idea from a religion or a philosophy and then expanding on that uh, for analysis and critique. And I definitely am giving an overall apologetic for Christianity through the book, but I hope that I do it clearly and fairly. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize why you started with atheism, uh, but it does make sense that if their claim is true that God is dead, then there is no religion for anyone. And I don't think I had ever really thought that through all the way um, when thinking through this. So you go through um, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism. Am I saying that right? Taoism or Taoism. Yeah. Taoism, Islam, and then Christianity as well. I think I want to start here with you, Doug, as the majority of listeners to my show, The Happy Hour, are followers of Jesus and why is it important for us as followers of Jesus to even know or entertain or have any knowledge about other religions? Well, we need to because we live in a religiously plural world. If you live in a metropolitan area, there will be, of course, churches, mosques, a Buddhist temple, maybe. Maybe there's a Baha'i group to get together and meet. So Paul says that, um, or rather Peter says that, we should have a reason for the hope that is within us that we present to anyone who asks us. But we should do this with gentleness and respect, First Peter 3.15. Or, of course, the great apostle Paul was always defending the faith publicly. We see in Acts 17 where he's in Athens. And it's obvious that he understands the philosophies and thought forms of his day. So he knows how to relate the Christian message to these other alien worldviews. So it's part of having a compelling Christian witness and apologetic to know something about what your friends and neighbors and maybe even family members believe. They might be 
uh, not really card-carrying Buddhists, let's say, but uh, they have a basic Buddhist worldview, or it's very common now for people to believe in karma and reincarnation, which is a staple, an essential doctrine of, of Hinduism and Buddhism. So if you come to the discussions with some knowledge of these viewpoints, and also the weaknesses of these viewpoints, that they're not in alignment with the Christian worldview or the gospel, and there's also some good uh, philosophical and other reasons to question their truth. So just part of being a faithful Christ Christian in a, a pluralistic setting or a setting with a fair, a fair amount of religious diversity, we could say. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Yeah, I think that is really great. And we do live, hopefully you have interactions in your own personal life with people who are different than you. I think that's how we get to really be a light for the gospel. I'd love it if we could just dive into maybe whichever one you want to. I would let you pick since you're the the expert here. And I I love how you talk about, you start about with atheism and, and you really have a... Um, you know, a, a Christian worldview through the whole thing that you're kind of talking through that lens that you live and believe in. If you would just pick one of those for us and talk about a little bit about where are the, where is the rub between the truth of what Christ is and the truth of Christianity versus that uh, religion? 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one way to organize the material would be to talk about the monotheistic religions as opposed to non-monotheistic religions. So the sentence I chose for Judaism was the name of God that he reveals to Moses in the burning bush in, in Exodus 3. I am who I am. And then I relate that to Jesus' statement in John 8, where he says, before Abraham was, I am. He's really identifying himself mm-hmm. as the God of Israel, the great creator. And then the third great monotheistic religion, of course, is Islam, uh, which claims to really complete and fulfill, fulfill and in another way, annul uh, the previous monotheistic religion. So Muhammad supposedly received a revelation from the god Allah, and that supersedes everything that came previously. So we have those religions, which are based on the idea of a personal, perfect creator-designer who reveals himself to creation. And then we have uh, the other religions that I address would be Buddhism, uh, which has no concept of a personal creator god. Hinduism, which is very diverse. I deal with a pantheistic form of Hinduism. Um, So that's one way of laying it out is the monotheistic religions Mm -hmm. as opposed to the non-monotheistic religions. And then I start dealing with atheism. But we can just talk about the name of God. I am who I am. It's a very profound statement, and scholars debate the exact meaning of this, but what I focus on is that God is a a speaking and communicating God, that he speaks to Moses, and Moses understands what God says. Moses said, who are you? You've told me to take the message to the Pharaoh and to free your people, but who are you? And God reveals his name, and he also reveals the plan that he has for Moses to free God's people. Now, that's really significant, especially when you compare it to something like Taoism. So the non-monotheistic uh, religions that I deal with are Hinduism, Buddhism, and Taoism. Um, in Taoism, you have this idea that the Tao, or the way that can be spoken, is not the eternal way. So it's a non-cognitive approach to the spiritual. It's something you might intuit or feel in nature, but there's no voice. There's no word communication from the transcendent realm to us. And that ultimately ends up being the same with Hinduism and Buddhism. So you can start out with this great dichotomy between the monotheistic religions where God purportedly speaks, communicates Mm -hmm. who he is, who we are, how we should relate to him, and those that leave it in basically a wordless, nameless, mystical realm. And right there, I think that should point us toward the monotheistic religions because it's so intrinsic to who we are as humans that we we communicate with words about life and meaning and value and significance. And, for example, if you got together with someone and all they did is close their eyes and hum, you think this is not a very strong relationship and there's, <laughs> I don't know where we can go with this thing. So uh, part of the apologetic is to develop a case for God speaking in the Hebrew Bible and God 
ultimately coming as the word, the Logos, became flesh in the New Testament record. We have that. And then, of course, you've got Judaism, I argue, leading to Christianity. And then you have Islam about 500 years later coming on the scene claiming that the Christianity extant at that time has been corrupted and we need a new revelation from Allah. So the way the progression would go is that the one true God revealed himself to Moses, made covenants, promised Messiah, Messiah came, fulfilled those great themes and promises, and warned us that there would be false teachers. And so when you look at Islam, you know, with all respect to Muslims having freedom of religion and freedom of speech, we have to say that their monotheism is not compatible with biblical teaching because Islam denies that God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It denies, of course, then that Jesus is divine and it even denies the saving, atoning death of Jesus. So there's kind of a an apologetic for monotheism in the book and then a challenge logically and historically to Islam. And with the other religions, uh, one of the key things I focus on is that they are really speechless in a sense. They cannot appeal to the highest reality as a personal, relational, communicative being. Yeah, there's a fair amount, just quickly, is in apologetics, you can divide the field into positive apologetics and negative apologetics. And positive is where you make a strong, constructive case for the existence of God, reliability of scripture, deity of Jesus, and so on. And then the other side, which is negative, is to logically challenge alternative worldviews. So my book involves both of those kinds of things. And it's interesting, I did an interview uh, with a reporter a few weeks ago. And with Publishers Weekly, I was really happy to do that because they're quite influential and have been around for a long time. And she said, well, in the introduction, you say that uh, when Christians deal with people of other religions, they need to be very fair and civil. And then you come along and say that Muhammad was an illiterate false prophet. (laughs) I said, well, um, you know, Muslims do say that Muhammad was supposedly illiterate, so it's a great miracle that he received the Quran. But you know, we need to give critiques because God cannot be absolutely one, Allah, the God, with no son, and be Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Christ be the divine son. Those two realities cannot both obtain. I mean, if Nietzsche is right and there's no God, then they're both false in their essential claims. But I argue that we have uh, good and adequate reasons to hold the Christian viewpoint. So I do uh, the constructive work and also the, let's just say the work of critique because being negative doesn't mean you're insulting anyone or being condescending. Uh, I'm a philosopher, so we're trained, may the best arguments win. So I'll give you my argument, my reasons, and if you don't think it's right, then you tell me and we'll try to talk about it. You know, you talk about two different ways of the apologetics. You talk about giving a reason for what you believe. And then uh, I think the second one was like critiquing what they believe. Yeah, right. And I 
when you were speaking, when you were saying that, it got me thinking that I think a lot of times Christians will fall into one being easier than the other. Like it would be, I would say for me personally, I would have an easier time of giving a reason for what I believe, the hope that I believe, talking about the scripture, theology, Bible, that would be easier for me. Do the opposite of the critique of what someone else believes would be hard for me. I'd be like, well, well, I don't know. And so I, my question to you is, I think they go hand in hand, that one would lead into the other. But I would love for you to explain to us um, if that is hard for someone, like what are what are some ways that people can actually try to engage more in thinking critically about other religions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I hope my book, World Religion in Seven Sentences, would help. It's It's what you call a primer. It's an introduction. It's not a thorough critique of the major world religions. But one way of approaching it is you test a worldview in terms of logic and evidence. So, for example, if you take Islam, as I said, the God of Christianity and the God of Islam cannot both be the one true God because of basic logical contradiction. God can't be one only and then also be three in one. That's impossible. And then you can look at the evidence. So, the evidence for God being three in one is found in the scripture, and it's not an illogical idea. It's not three equals one, it's three in one, and there are ways of understanding that. And so you look at the evidence, let's say, for the New Testament, and you have uh, documents that have been well-preserved over time, written by eyewitnesses of Jesus or those who knew Jesus. And we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we have the testimony of, of Peter and Paul, have a very strong foundation and framework for the truth of what is reported. And then about 500 some years later, um, a man goes into a cave to, to meditate on religion and supposedly receives a revelation that contradicts fundamental tenets in the New Testament. Now, unless there's something absolutely remarkable about this revelation that he gets, uh, all side with the teaching of the New Testament and the whole Bible, as opposed to this revision that really has no intellectual substance to it. Now, if you're talking to a Muslim, you have to be cautious and prayerful and humble about these things. But uh, it shouldn't be the case that in religious claims, we somehow suspend rational analysis and say that mm. If Christianity is meaningful to me, I have a right to believe it. If Islam is meaningful to you, that's fine for you. Now, we have the legal right to believe and mm-hmm. profess what we want in America with the First Amendment, and I thank God for that. But having the right to believe something doesn't mean that what you believe is right or true or good. So I'm hoping that this book will help people learn how to have dialogue make a good case for the Christian faith as best they can. And it serves as kind of a, an introductory effort into getting, getting down the basics of religions like Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, in relation to um, the Christian claims. 
Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Yeah. You know, you, you did that well in this book. And as I was um, reading, I was thinking about a lot of people um, in North America and around the world. Also, a lot of people can have a religion, whether it be Christianity or um, Islam or Judaism that you kind of just grew up in. And so you're like, I don't really know what I believe, but I am Jewish because my family's Jewish and I'm Jewish or I'm Islam because I'm Muslim because my family is this. I'm Christian because my parents go to church, all the things. You can have this kind of social religion, not just with Christianity, with a lot of these other things. I wonder if in your studies and what you've done with reading these other religions, for my listeners who are thinking like, man, I have a friend who is you know, Jewish because she just says, this is what I am, this is what I've always been, or Islam because my parents, they're not really practicing. What would you say to them would be one of the great places to start with our faith, to make a claim for our faith, not to counter their faith, but to make a claim for our faith to people who are not die hard in their religion. They're just culturally their religion. Where would you suggest for people to start with their faith, with speaking with someone else? Well, I'd start with two things. One is we should aim for the truth and not just something that we find meaningful or interesting. So in the areas of life that are so important, we do want the truth of the matter. We want the facts. If you go to a physician, you really want to know what these symptoms mean. Is it something serious? Should it be treated? Um, when you go even have your taxes done, you should want to have them done according to the law and to get the best outcome within the law. So you really should want the truth. And sadly, when it comes to religions and spiritual claims, people sometimes don't think in terms of the objective truth of the matter, like seven times seven is 49. You know, there's one answer to that. <laughs> uh, with religion, we want somehow to have a lot of possibilities and no one religion or worldview is better than the other. And that is just not the case. We need to investigate. So I'd say uh, rest content with nothing less than what you take to be true and rational and meaningful. Mm -hmm. And then if someone is interested in Christianity, uh, of course, uh, we have the entire Bible, which is the record of God's disclosure to us about who he is and the plan of salvation, the meaning of life. So I think it would be good if someone is really starting to think about religious truth and just truth in general, the truth of being, to read the New Testament, read the Gospels, mm -hmm. because the figure of Jesus is unlike any other 
person in human history, easily. I'm working on a book right now called The Amazing Claims of Jesus of Nazareth. And we've heard Jesus' statements so often, especially the moral statements, things like turn the other cheek, go the second mile, be a good Samaritan. Uh, but Jesus claimed to be the Lord of history. He claimed that this little movement of misfits that he started would go out into the entire world and he would be with them always. He said, you should deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. I mean, there are no claims like that made by Buddha, by Muhammad, by Confucius, by Lao Tzu. Uh, maybe some others have made those profound total claims, but they couldn't back it up with the integrity of their lives. Mm -hmm. And they certainly didn't uh, die and rise again from the grave as Jesus did. So I think a zeal for truth, come what may, and then let's investigate this religion founded by an itiner itinerant rabbi 2,000 years ago and see what he said and what he did. And let's come to terms with it. Because when you take Jesus seriously and reading the Gospels or the rest of the New Testament, and Jesus is foreshadowed in the Old Testament, you realize you have to do something with him. That is, you have to basically agree or disagree. He was a man who sparked controversy. And not in some silly way of saying unnecessary inflammatory things, but uh, saying things like, uh, unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. Or, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, no one comes to the Father except through me. What uh, startling you know, comprehensive kind of claim. So what do we do with that? Was he right or not? And I've staked my life on the fact that he was right. Yeah. I think that, um, as followers of Jesus, I think there are a lot of people who would not be able to make a claim for the hope that they believe. And I think as people are listening, that is the first thing to think about is like, what is it that you believe and why do you believe it? I think that we can, you know, North America is very easy to find ourselves in this 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 way of just being a socially acceptable good person who might have, you know, ethics that follow the Christian tradition. But why is it? Do you believe that that, like you said, that that a man named Jesus, you know, was God put on flesh and, and died and buried and rose again? And that changes everything for us. It changes mm -hmm. our entire lives. Um, Doug, I'm grateful for you today for giving us the time and I'm grateful for this work. I think that it's important for us as believers to know what we believe and also to be able to talk about it. And so thank you for the work that you've done here. Well, you're welcome and uh, welcome to Denver Seminary. I know you're a distance student, but uh, maybe you'll wander around campus someday. Talk to me in my office. <laughs> I'll knock on your thank door you. and say, Doug, remember me from the happy hour. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good deal. Okay, you guys, I'm so glad that you heard this conversation today. If you're interested in his book, it is out actually just a couple days ago. It released and it's called, again, World Religions in Seven Sentences, a small introduction to a vast topic. Now, in the next episode, I have Preston Perry sitting down with me and he really talks about what it means to be an apologist and an evangelist and what the difference is. I think you're going to love that conversation as well. But I wanted to mention this. I just started a Bible study with some friends in my neighborhood and it's by Rebecca McLaughlin, which I just love her anyway, but it's called Navigating Gospel Truth. And it's a guide to faithfully reading the accounts of Jesus's life. And one of the things that Doug talked about in here is about really giving an account for what you believe. And I really respect Rebecca and the work she's done as well with helping 
believers and followers of Jesus give an account for what they believe. And so I just wanted to recommend that Bible study for you. I also want to mention this. Uh, we have our book club. It's still going on. It's still going strong. And it is September. But right now we're reading a book by Tessa Afshar. And Tessa was a guest on our show this past summer on the Happy Hour. She was a part of our Encounter series. And she shared her story of coming to know Jesus. Well, she's written a lot, a lot of books. And she has a new book that comes out November 7th. And it's called The Peasant King. I'm so excited to read this book alongside the other people in our book club, which I'd love it if you were there. Anyhow, that is our September book club. We're getting it early. It's a digital download that you can read on your Kindle, on your computer, on your phone, however you read digital books. And then it comes out to the real world in November 7th. So come join us. We'd love to have you. It's jamieivy.com slash Patreon. We'd love to have you. The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell, and the show is edited by Jason Talley. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC.